0: I have a uh, history that involves my own personal uh, substance abuse and alcoholism. You know, that's something that from a family perspective has gone through my family. You know, I, I, my, my mother died of a drug overdose. My father was never really in my life, you know, an alcoholic in and out of prison. It just wasn't, wasn't ever there or had any desire to be there in terms of, of anything with, with me. And I got bounced around inside my family. So I, you know, I really didn't have uh, any kind of traditional upbringing that you could
1: point to like. That was Dr. Pat Davidson for you. And this is Listen, Learn, Leverage, the podcast focusing on and sharing the human side of some of the best coaches and practitioners in the industry. And I am Ankur Patataji or Fractal Biomechanics, as you know me, and I welcome you all to this podcast. Hey, Pat, welcome to Listen, Learn, Leverage. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing all right. Thank you very much for having me
1: on today. It's my pleasure, man. And so before we start the podcast, uh, if you could introduce yourself to the listeners who do not know you yet.
0: Sure. Sure. Uh, my name is Pat Davidson, and I have a PhD in exercise physiology, a master's degree in strength and conditioning. Um, I've been in New York City for seven years, and prior to this stint, I was working as a college professor at a couple different institutions here in the U.S. Um, I've competed in mixed martial arts as well as strongman, and you know, these days, I you know generally do. Um, You know, I offer online digital products and I teach a seminar series that's a certification model called Rethinking the Big Patterns that has a book that corresponds with it called The Coach's Guide to Optimizing Movement. Um, And I offer an online training program called Athletic Weapon.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I did read the uh, book, The Coach's Guide to Movement, and it was pretty amazing. Like the kind of information that was there. Amazing, amazing stuff.
0: Yeah, I put a lot of work into that. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with that product. And Yes. Uh, you know, the editor, uh, Sonia Bramwell, that uh, Renaissance Periodization gave to work with me. Mm. She did an amazing job with really helping to have the writing of the book come across to the reader, I think, in a really, really nice way with a good flow to it.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, Pat, if you could throw some light on how you started and where you are today, that transition, that journey.
0: Yeah, Um, you know, I started really like I've been an athlete my whole life and I started as a as a kid. I, I really I was hoping to be a professional baseball player as a kid, and I really wanted to train as hard as I possibly could to allow myself to to reach the the greatest levels of my athletic potential. And, you know, at a certain point, baseball didn't work out for me. And after that, I got into mixed martial arts. And with that sport, it was was an activity where diet and training had a greater impact on the outcomes that you could reach. You know, baseball is a very skilled, determined sport. And at a certain point, you can't train your way to being able to throw a ball 90 miles an hour. It's sort of a gift that you either have or you don't have. Um, versus mixed martial arts, like now you can you can diet your way into new weight classes and you can, you know, be significantly stronger than your opponent and use that to your advantage, or, you know, really push your aerobic conditioning to be able to outlast people. So there's a, a much bigger contributing factor coming from fitness. And body composition manipulation with that sport compared to uh, baseball, for instance. And eventually, you know, I I, um, I, I really wasn't involved with uh, formal exercise science or education or working in that field uh, really all the way up until I was 24 years old. Prior to that, I had gotten a, my my undergraduate degree was in history, and I was planning on teaching history uh, in the high school level and probably coaching baseball and football or something like that at whatever high school I was at. But, um, you know, I, I was still training mixed martial arts and my coach really encouraged me to seek a career with exercise as the backbone to it. And I started to pursue that from an educational perspective. And I discovered that I was, I was really, uh, I was very good at being able to read and write and synthesize information. And so I just took that and continued to push that and harness that. And I eventually ended up getting a master's degree and a PhD with exercise science. And um, it's just always interesting what you end up maybe being good at if you try a few different things. And I always thought that I would be more of the athlete and it turns out I was better at being a nerd and being able to read and write and do things like that. So, um, yeah, I, 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 um, I've made a career out of, you know, training and, but being smart about exercise and exercise science and, and having the ability to integrate different concepts and systems and to create, uh, models that are useful to other people from a, you know, how to how to really understand human movement and training and things like that. That's that's really where I'm probably uh, that's that's probably where I fit into this field the best.
1: Did you enjoy history?
0: I did. Yeah, I very very much did. I um, nice. You know, it, it's something that I have gotten away from, but I always I, I always found, you know, it was it seemed as though it didn't really matter what. You know, region of the world you you looked at, the motivations of human beings are almost always the same, and it was almost always some kind of you know money, power, uh, you know, u- using anything that you possibly can as a justification for why you're going to conquer or try to rule some other group of people, but it, it always kind of boiled down to the same things that it was money, power and control.
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> true. So what were the biggest hurdles in your life that you had to surmount in order to be what you are today?
0: Well, I I have a uh, history that involves my own personal uh, substance abuse and alcoholism. And, you know, that's something that from a family perspective has gone through my family. um, And. You know, I, I my my mother uh, died of a drug overdose. My father was never really in my life, uh, you know, an alcoholic in and out of prison. It just wasn't wasn't ever there or had any desire to be there in terms of of anything with uh, with me. And I got bounced around um, inside my family. So I, you know, I really didn't have. Uh, any kind of traditional upbringing that you could point to, like, and, you know, uh, I, I dealt with my own personal problems with drug addiction and alcoholism in my teens and early 20s. And I was able to uh, stop, you know, using substances when I was 23 years old. And, you know, from that point, I was able to kind of really get squared away and, and build a career and, um, you know, get married and do things like that, but it's it's uh sometimes those, you know, I've had my my share of personal problems and work problems from, you know, just my own attitude and and what I bring to the equation. I've never been a particularly good team player, or um, you know, I I can I can be hot tempered and I can be difficult to work with. I need things to be very I need, I need decisions to be really a certain way, and I need people to conduct themselves in a certain way, or I can get very frustrated. And when I get frustrated in situations, I tend to uh, destroy those situations. So I, I know that I have my own tendencies that can be very difficult for other people to deal with from a long term perspective. But I also uh, have been able to have the kind of work ethic and tools to be able to function in almost any environment so i can recreate myself in a number of different ways whether that is you know working as a professor or working directly with people from a coaching perspective or now sort of shifting to a purely digital format you know i i, I realized that i can be uncompromising and that i can be um I think uncompromising is probably the best word to tell you the truth. And when I disagree with the approach that people are taking, I will tell them very directly, and I will not participate with what I think is substandard or suboptimal uh, approaches. And and I'm, I really don't care like what the consequences are from something like that. I just I I have my oddities to me as a person, and. I think that from that perspective, it's just kind of like, I'm totally unwilling to let anything slide that I think is important. And I, like I said, the, like I'm, uh, consequences are not something I really consider from that perspective oftentimes. And um, so I think that it's just like uh, people aren't used to that oftentimes when they, when they go to, to do work with me. And then they realize, oh, this guy is really like <laughs> dead serious about that. Like he's done. He's out. And uh, so, yeah, I think that I, I, as I go through life, I try to be observant of my own tendencies. And I try to notice that where I, I can have negative consequences or negative impacts on myself and other people. And, and over time, I, I generally try to move myself towards less and less problematic influences but it's a difficult process and at a certain point you realize kind of who you are and that it might not be for everyone and that you you i don't know either accept or work on certain things but um yeah I, i think at the very least some level of awareness of yourself and then recognition of that which seems to be not changing from that which is changeable and then just approaching life with better perspectives seems to be the the best that anyone including myself can do
1: Hmm. I always had this curiosity when I started following you on Instagram so someday I see you dress up like a clown in the middle of a gym doing your humor stuff and suddenly I see a post you talk about mental health and everything I'm like okay I mean I need to talk to this guy like I mean who is the real Pat Davidson like some like doing all this stuff in the middle of a gym being a clown and dressing up and then mental health like everyone needs help with mental health and like you yeah. had a post as well recently so the real Pat Davidson if you could show some light on that
0: um, I think that I'm probably like everyone else in terms of like there's many, many sides to me um, and that they're all perfectly valid parts of me. You know, I'm I'm fairly willing to allow those sides of me to express themselves.
2: Mm. I
0: don't hold too much back, you know. It's almost like I've learned that when I'm afraid of something, I probably should do that thing, you know, oh. to experience it, to be able to to sort of almost evaluate or test the responses that I'm going to have to something. you know um, I, I think that as human beings, we're all kind of these fragmented components. and I think that. I think that a big undertone to all of us is that we all, it's very difficult to be a person. It's very difficult. You know, it's an, it's not an easy planet to live on. Um, Dealing with other people is very challenging dealing with yourself and the voices inside your own head is very difficult. And, you know, like you have this opportunity to try to learn and express yourself in all of the various ways that you can during your time here and it's it's like you know there is no real me there is no real you you know like the separateness i think in many ways that we all feel from each other is a really strong illusion and i think that we're all part of more of like a general human super system um that is a much more integrated animal than we would ever think. And we're probably moving in that direction from a technological standpoint. Maybe it's the wrong way to do it. Maybe it, who knows. But I, I think that, you know, all of my you know, sadness and all of my suffering and all of my joy and all of my confusion and all of my passion, it's not just mine. You know, like it's, 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 everyone has those things, Hmm. you know, they're expressed to different levels and in different ratios amongst each of us, because we are, although we are all kind of, I think this integrated human super species, I I think that some of us express these things to a greater degree than others. But I, I think that there's, there's just so much more in common with everyone on this planet in terms of of our strong emotions, our strong drives, our strong feelings, our strong desires, uh, our challenges, all of those things are very universal. And the more that I'm actually able to feel those things in myself and express those things from myself, I think it helps other people see me and see themselves in the process. So I, I don't look at it like, who is the real me? I almost look at it like who's the real us and how can I get in better touch with the overall essence of being a human being? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a bit of madness to all of us. There's a bit of seriousness to all of us. There's everything that you could possibly imagine and then some. And, you know, it's, it's just, I, I, I try to think to myself like, you know, this, this idea of connection. And being able to reach across and potentially, like, have other people be curious in a playful kind of a manner is, is to me, like, a really cool opportunity to, to begin some of the dialogues with other people about, you know, what exactly is going on here? You know, like, and can we, can we have fun while we explore all these topics and get to know ourselves in a, in a better way? So who's the real me? It, probably a lot like you, or probably a lot like anyone else. Like it's, it's, it's this kind of multifaceted being that
2: mm.
0: is just trying to figure out how to be here in the best way that we possibly can.
1: So you mentioned about uh, substance abuse, uh, alcohol as well? So, yep. so tell me more about your childhood and and the late teenage years when you got into this. Like why did you get into this? Like was it fun in the beginning, cool, and then it became an addiction or or is it an escape from reality kind of a thing?
0: You know, I I uh I spent my very early days with my grandparents and I felt as though that was a pretty good environment. You know, it was a A very supporting environment. And I think that if I didn't have that, really from almost like zero to seven, Mm. I think that I would have missed critical developmental components that would not allow me to be a functioning person at this point in time. But unfortunately, um, you know, I, I had to deal with the death of my grandmother when I was eight. And that really kind of fractured everything from my perspective in terms of family. Um, and I ended up having to spend a number of years with my mother at that point in time, who was, um, you know, an active drug addict and, um, she had no ability to be a parent. So it was, it was neglect and it was a physical abuse situation. And it was a a really problematic time period for a few years. And eventually I, um, I was able to have custody taken of me by an aunt. And at that point, like, you know, it was a more stable environment, but not easy. And it was a very isolated period of time. And, and I, that was really between the ages of like, you know, 12 to 18, 20 years old. And, you know, there are certain wounds that happen to you at, at, at points in time. And, and really, you know, like those first seven years are kind of about developing the physical body of the child and the things that become kind of the unconscious mind. And then the next seven years are really kind of where you learn to deal with your emotions. And I don't think that I really was in a place during that point in time to, to learn how to deal with emotions between seven and 14. And those are really difficult emotions that you try to process and work with as you're kind of going through puberty and um, dealing with a lot of changes and other kids having, you know, developing at different rates and where do you stand in this hierarchy? Uh, and, And so that was a very blunted period of time for me developmentally. And after, after that, like, you know, I, I look at, it, you know, 15, 16 years old is when a lot of substance abuse problems for me started. And, and I think that it was in large part like trying to fit in with other kids. But also I, I can remember the initial times of being able to, you know, drink and to take drugs and things like that. And it just made me feel so good. You know, it felt like all of a sudden, like I could really connect with other people and express myself because I had no idea how to emotionally connect with other people at that point in time, Hmm. just zero ability. So that was this great uh, bridge for me to be able to, to have some level of emotional response and feel as though I could communicate with people in a way that could be friendly and more social and effective. But I really had no ability to regulate intake whatsoever. I couldn't do it. I couldn't, drink or take drugs responsibly it was just like completely uh you know just the biggest mess you've ever seen in your life and that just escalated and and um and progressed very rapidly which in some ways is kind of a gift because I didn't spend decades and decades and decades uh in this terrible process it was kind of like you know by 23 years old exactly it was just like a, a a rocket ship and it just crashed and burned and you know i was young enough to be able to rebuild myself um Mm -hmm. at that point and and i think that it got me pretty far i created a pretty simple life structure for myself of just kind of like uh you know train and study and work hard and and that goes only so far because then eventually you have to kind of work with other people you know and um And then for me, working with other people has been this enormous challenge because I've kind of created this very, you know, there's a very specific way that I work and I have a very strong work ethic. And, you know, when when projects aren't done the way that I want them to be done or, you know, even relationships and things like that, it's it's just been difficult for me and but very informative and instructive for discovering the parts of myself that need to continue to be worked on so that I can, again, sort of like uh, figure out a better version of myself to bring to very important things in life that people should learn how to be functional at.
1: Like, how, how did you realize at 23, 24 that I need to get out of this? Like, otherwise my life would be spoiled forever. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I was probably going to end up in jail or dead. It wasn't going to last very long. So it's, 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 uh, you know, if you've ever seen someone that's an absolute mess of a drug addict or something like that, like just worst case scenario, that's basically where I was at. It's, it's not like I wasn't able to, to function. You know, I was, it's not like I could, some people are able to be high functioning, addicts and they can go to work and put a life together and all i I didn't have anything like that you know what i mean i was uh robbing from people in my family and not able to have a job and uh you know i was waking up at four or five in the afternoon and staying out until six seven in the morning so it's it's not like there was a shred of capability there you know so it's yeah some people have different levels of expression of things, and I'm very much an all or nothing kind of a person.
1: You had to go to the rehabilitation center and also to get out of this.
0: You know, I I ended up at least the last time that I went out and, and drank and did stuff, I got into a fight with a number of people, and I was just beaten up so badly that I couldn't really get out of my own bed for about a week. And so that kind of functioned in some ways as being able to go to rehab. And, um, and then I was able to just start the process of going to 12 step recovery meetings after that, um, which is essentially what you would do going to rehab anyways, that sets the stage for you to go into life after that. So, you know, it, I just kind of, uh, in, in some ways I did go to rehab, it just was, you know, from, uh, immobility because I just couldn't, I couldn't move, <laughs>
1: I mean, I'm glad that you're out of all this. I never knew that you were in this deep shit in your past. Yeah. Oh, man. And, you know, I, I always look at like, I don't have any
0: problems talking about this stuff because, you know, number one, the truth is reality. And oh, I yeah. think that like,
1: I think and for it might everybody. Just... And it might help someone else as
0: well. Exactly. And that's, that's, that's what I mean. Like reality to me is so much more interesting than, than not functioning in reality. And, Mm. you know, there's so many people that want to talk in a way where they, you know, they're, they're manipulating your, uh, your mind so that you don't understand the full nature of reality. Mm. And I think that's a really terrible way to go through life. And because reality is much more interesting than fiction, most of the time, you know, it's, it's actually full of potential, but for many of us, our narratives are so constructed in a way that actually removes us from participating in reality hmm. or presenting our own reality to others that no one ever gets to know you. And you never know what kinds of new opportunities can can ever emerge from that.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So
0: like you said, yeah, maybe someone out there can relate to it hmm. and recognize like, oh, you know, like, I don't think there's any hope for me, but uh, this person has managed to actually put their life together in some way, shape, or form. You know, just because you, you know, your life involved this kind of thing at one point, it doesn't mean that you're locked into that for the rest of your life. Or you never know, though. It could be something that I could never imagine emerges from actually like telling people uh, a real story, you know?
1: True, true. So when someone, I mean, who does not know you personally goes through your profile. You come across as a very self-confident person who knows what he's talking about. So this confidence, is this 100% trust in your abilities, your technicalities, knowledge, or is it also a mixture of like, uh, just to like overshadow that vulnerability, that insecurity inside inside of you, like look at me or something like that. Is it a mixture or is it like true trust?
0: I think, uh,
1: you know, It's what's interesting
0: to me is I've always been pretty good at public speaking. Hmm. And uh, a number of other people in my family are pretty good at public speaking too. And I've struggled much more with interpersonal relationships. Like, you know, really building... Mm. uh, a deeper and deeper friendship with people Mm. over time. That's, that's the area that for me has been a much harder element and versus like, if you put me in front of people and I get to kind of create something, I'm very comfortable there. And I've just always been pretty comfortable in that sort of a role. And, and I don't know why, and I, I can think of another person in my family who is, I would describe as like kind of severely socially problematic, um, and that person is an amazing public speaker as well. And I remember learning that and just being like, this doesn't make any sense, but then it gave me more ability to reflect on myself and say, well, you know, I'm not like as probably pathologically antisocial as this person. But, you know, if I really have, if I really evaluate myself, like I, I've never been particularly good at, at, you know, integrating myself into social groups in purely social interaction kinds of settings. Um, However, I've been able to grow a career out of being able to get in front of people and deliver messages and content and public speaking things. So I, I think that sometimes it's, it's almost like, you know, uh, some people have a talent uh, in some way, shape or form. Like in sports, some people can jump really high or they can run really fast. And I think that for whatever reason, I have a talent for being able to do public speaking sorts of work. But on top of that, like I've, I've also I've worked at it for years and years and years. And when it comes to people that would see what's on my Instagram, they're seeing an end product that's occurred after really decades of working at something. So, you know, it's, I certainly don't think that I was as good 25 years ago, but I, on a weekly basis, I do public speaking things you know, every, every Wednesday, today's Wednesday at one o'clock, I do a an hour long public speaking thing for a product that I sell called the power hour. And I go to different gyms around the New York city area, places that I've never been before. And I go in there and I set up shop and I do a one hour public speaking event. And I've been doing that for over four years. And, you know, um, I teach seminars that are two days long and I have to go from 9am till 5pm on both of those days. And it's me having to try to deliver content. And prior to all that, I was working as a professor and I had to get up in front of classes five times a week for multiple hours a day and try to deliver content and keep people engaged. So it's there, I've had a a lot of time to really work on this craft and become, you know, pretty good for myself at being able to actually deliver public speaking, uh, to other people. So it's, it's, um, you know, from a confidence perspective nowadays, it's, it's not something that I'm like particularly nervous about because I'm practiced at it. You know, it's Mm -hmm. almost like if you've been doing something for 10, 15, 20 years and, and my, my primary income has come from public speaking now for you know, about 13, 14 years. I mean, this is, this is what I do for a job. So eventually it just becomes like, you don't even notice. It's just a normal thing. Haven't, Yeah. Now, when I think about prior to that, hmm. you know, I certainly would be nervous. Um, but at the same time, it was kind of like, I, I remember being pretty good at it early on. You know, even when I was much younger and people being like, wow, that was a really good presentation. So that felt good to get that kind of affirmation because I didn't get that much affirmation as a young person. You know, I got it from sports and I got it from from things like this. And, I, you know, oftentimes when you're younger and you get some kind of positive affirmation, that gives you that dopamine reward uh, experience. And that's going to pattern you towards doing those kinds of behaviors more and more as you go into the future. You know, you only do the behaviors that you get a positive Mm -hmm. feedback element from. Um, So it's, it's always hard to know. Like I'm, I, I, I'm sure I was extremely nervous younger. I mean, I definitely had extremely low levels of, of uh, self-confidence as a younger person. I mean, Uh, And it's not just that like self-worth, you know what I mean? Like that's, and, and I don't have to be perfectly honest. I don't have very high levels of self-worth as a feeling. Even now, that's something that like, if, if you've had a childhood, like what I had as a childhood that sets you up to have very low levels of self-worth. And so I'm aware of that. And I go out of my way, to try to rely on other people's feedback and information to help me with decisions that I make in life. Hmm. Um, And I try to be patient, and not excessively overreactive with decisions, because I know that oftentimes, they come from a threatened place, Ah. uh, in a fearful
1: place. Hmm. Hmm. I I was going to talk about this. You had posted, I think, a few months ago, probably. I know this because I follow Bill's model and PRI and stuff. So the lateral a to p expansion by compressing the lateral ribcage and pelvis, you got a lot of hate in that uh, comment section. Yeah, yeah. Like, so, yeah. so how did you deal with that? Well, and also, how would have... A young Pat Davidson, if social media existed back then, would have dealt with the same negativity.
0: Yeah, I mean, I still don't deal with negativity all that well. You know what I mean? My natural reaction is I want to just like kill people. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, um, yeah, it's almost like yeah, that, that tends to be my my style, and I I'm I will go a hundred percent on the attack. You know, and make it very personal against people and i'll say the cruelest things i possibly can and i'll be as vicious as i possibly can you know what i mean like that's sort of my my motto and if it was in person mm. uh, you know i mean i i grew up i grew up fighting people i grew yeah. up very yeah. physical like and i'm like i don't know i don't know who anybody thinks i am mm. from the perspective of uh what i will do in response to challenges mm. but i mean The way i grew up and the people i was around like i got no problem with with becoming very physical and aggressive with people you know and and i have some anger problems you know what i mean like i'm not
2: Hmm.
0: like uh, i'm not all that well adjusted for 2022 you know (laughs) so uh it's it's for me it's very difficult and i know at that point in time i really wasn't even operating my own social media so I didn't even see anything on that, which was wow. kind of nice because I'm sure I would have just had, you know, mm-hmm. s- very strong reactions to it because I, I'm very, I am a very reactive person. And, you know, I try, like, if I, if I, if I'm in a relationship with someone that I care about, I try to tell them, like, please understand that there are time frames to how I operate. If you present me with information that is Uh, difficult for me, I will become angry and defensive and I can yell and I can be, you know, I'm going to have the reactions that I'm going to have. And if you give me enough time to process and think about something, I, I will be very thoughtful and I will understand the truth of what you're saying that, that is potentially, Difficult for me to accept about myself, but I, I will accept the hard truths about myself and I will work on those things hmm. and I will be very understanding. Hmm. But in the beginning, in the immediate reaction, I'm going to take it personally. I'm going to have probably an exaggerated emotional response. And I don't know if anyone can help that conditioned hmm. response that they're going to have immediately to something. And same thing with social media. And, um, you know, for me, it's even difficult on there because a a lot of times with social media, people start, they initiate a dialogue purely from a perspective of being nasty and belligerent. And to me, that's like, okay, well, I've, I had my reaction. I stepped away. I thought about it. Hmm. There's really no place uh, that I can operate with this person. I either don't reply to them at all, Hmm. which would probably be the mature thing to do. Or I say what I actually think, which is what I usually do.
2: Hmm. (laughs) Um,
0: (laughs) And (laughs) what I think in those instances is oftentimes very nasty. And, you know, if people initiate that kind of conversation with me and have very personal attacks, I will reciprocate that. Um, and, and I don't like, look, like it's never led to anything positive. Yes. It's never, it's never led to an outcome where I'm like, oh, this person really sees the error of their ways. And I've really like, no, it's just like, you know, it, it just becomes this self perpetuating hatred phenomenon And I've definitely participated in that. And Mm. to to what end, I'm not really sure. Just more of the same, basically. But it's very hard to pull myself out of that when (laughs) when I start going into
1: it. I had a chat with Bill Hartman regarding social media and hate and anger. He said that words don't hurt. You decide whether they hurt or not. So he says that he receives hate mails and DMs every day. It doesn't matter. he won't respond he's that mature guy who just ignore as if they don't exist right
0: i don't i i'm not there i'm not there yet like that's not me currently and i think that's fine you know what i mean in some ways like you you need to have like because there's just different kinds of people out there and um yeah i'm i'm not there
1: (laughs) (laughs) so Talking about uh, social media, 45.5 thousand followers, soon to be 50,000 soon, like in three, four years, it will be hundred thousand. What do those numbers mean to you? Like at some point, does it get to your head or it's just like another number for me? It doesn't matter. Where are you in the spectrum? You know, I
0: think that the, I was actually talking about this recently. One of the problems with that is that at a certain point, people can become dollar signs to you. Okay, and I don't like that that's happened to me in some ways, Um, but it definitely has happened. And it's because I make my money by selling people products. Okay, so if you are someone that follows me on social media, you are part of my target demographic and you are my source of income. I don't have a boss. I don't have someone that cuts me a check. I don't have that like I sell my products which are generally my intellectual property to people that I that are my social media followers so the number on my social media account to me represents currency
2: yeah
0: as that number goes up my income goes up and that's a weird thing because now people are money to me and it gets Mm -hmm. all this mashed up kind of a thing. And it was a really weird realization to me that at a certain point, love the honesty. Yeah. People have become dollar signs. And, you know, I, I think that that's a, that's a, it's yeah. I don't even know what to do with that knowledge at this point, other (laughs) than the fact that I have it Um, because it doesn't change the fact That that's still my income. Yeah, you know, I think I think all it does is it's actually a level of responsibility for me to be aware of the fact that that's a phenomenon and to continue to only provide services of high value.
1: And regarding social media, social media and our industry, our industry is like this public circus that is going on, <laughs> everyone hating yeah. on each other. And look at me, I'm the best and the rest everyone is shit. So <laughs> how do yeah. you see our industry as?
0: Yeah, it's, it's fun, you know, and, and I try to learn from other people's successful social media stuff and not just men's, but women's social media things. And so, you know, I kind of made the conscious decision that at this point in time, you know, for me, because social media is basically my job. Huh. It's my job. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's literally where my income is derived from at this point in time. And what's the best tactic for me to be able to maximize my return on my job performance? And it was like, well, should I get smarter? Probably not. You know, that's probably, I've probably reached a level of knowledge about exercise topics Mm -hmm. that for now is more than good enough um you know is is understanding more specifics about the nature of the diaphragm and its relationship to hip extension is that going to really make a dramatic difference no probably not and like okay so it was sort of like well what would be the thing that would drive that and for me it was actually like i need to look better I need to get my body composition into the best place that it possibly can be. And I need to sell that to other Mm. people because we are still visually more driven Mm. than any other of our senses at this point. And if you can just create the scenery Mm. that people are going to look at and say, wow, that guy looks different and he looks better. And he must have some secret thing that's amazing uh-huh. to be able to help drive that. And I'm curious about what that is, because this is such a dramatic physical transformation. And maybe there's just, you know what I mean? That, that was really kind of to me, like, this is the primary thing I need to do from a business perspective. So I've really locked in on nutrition and training mm-hmm. and have just Made it a very meticulous process that has ensured that I reach very specific body composition goals that I'm going to continue to drive, and um, and I've just I've seen enough uh, female fitness Instagram things to get a sense of how they operate hmm. and what their tactics are. And I, you know, I, I've read a lot of Robert Greene's books. Uh, you know, he's, he's a fantastic author. The 48 Laws of Power, uh, you know, um, the laws of human nature. He's got uh, the art of seduction, all of these things. And I, I think it, I don't know, I think it might have been in the art of seduction, but it, it really talked about how it, seduction is sales. You oh, know, yeah. sales and seduction go hand in hand. If you're going to, if you know how to seduce one person, you know how to seduce the entire population of the world, ultimately, you know, it's all the same model. (laughs) So it's kind of like one of the keys to that Hmm. is to actually capture the strengths of the other gender and to utilize that and to create some almost like what you're saying, like, who is this guy? Hmm. You know, like. There needs to be an air of mystery. Mm -hmm. And one of the most mysterious things that you can do is to actually feature elements of the other gender in your operational style. Mm
2: -hmm. And
0: almost all of your like ultra successful breakthrough performers are people that have done that in the past. You know, you look at like Madonna as an artist and she's done many things where she's taken a masculine edge to things. Or, you know, Prince or Dennis Rodman or any of these people. And it's like they have very strategically crafted an ability to to present you the strengths or tactics or elements of the other gender. And, and I try to do that same thing. I actually really try to pay attention to women and mm-hmm. see the way that women interact with each other. And because they're much more social creatures than men in some ways. And they're, they're much more interested in um, being able to fit in with social structure and to work from the inside out. You know, as a man, I'm, I'm always coming from the outside in. I'm looking to just dominate from like a very mm-hmm. blunt pathway. Like that's sort of been my approach. And, and women don't do that. They get inside of a system and they, they work almost the other way. Mm -hmm. from from what I've observed of them you know what I mean um and they also utilize I don't know just different things like as a for instance even on social media I just I just noticed very few men create those story highlights you know what I mean I never had the story highlights and oftentimes if you go into the story highlights that women have this is where they have more of their like provocative pictures or like you know, they, they and so I'm doing the exact same thing. I'm like, mm. what are the successful female Instagram mm. fitness people doing? I'm going to copy exactly their style and I'm going to test it and see if that actually works in a direction that I think might be appropriate. And it's funny because it's like, I think that they're going to have pictures that would probably visually appear from a sexuality perspective to men, but females are the primary people that are going to purchase their products you know and it's the same thing where it's like i'm almost going to use the female tactics of like utilizing my body and an Mm. aesthetic perspective kind of a a, approach and and it would initially look like that's purposeful for being something that would be attractive visually to females Mm. but the end goal Would be to capture from a product sales perspective male purchasers.
1: Male purchasers, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if women purchase, great. But it's mostly women, uh, men who will be purchasing that. Yeah, a hundred percent.
0: So you know, it's it's always kind of like there's usually when when people see me do something that seems almost random or like un, un, un unintelligible. There's usually some reason that I'm actually doing that thing, Mm. Um, which is, you know, sometimes it takes me, uh, I don't know, like sometimes people, people don't, don't get it or something. And it's kind of like, it takes me a minute to explain something. And then then it's kind of like, oh, huh, that's really, that's bizarre. That's interesting. How's it going? And I'm like, I don't know yet. It's too early to know. I have to evaluate the data on something like that. But you have to try things and you have to be open to new things. And to me, like, you know, it's kind of like I've never been. People can accuse me of whatever they want. I've never been closed minded. You know, (laughs) I don't care what things look like. I care about their utility at the end of the day. Mm. Does this thing move in the direction of the goals that we've stated are actually important? And I I think that a lot of people are almost more interested in whether or not something looks the part as opposed Uh to whether or not something actually drives the results that they want. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't need things to be aesthetically all that great. Mm -hmm. You know, I only need things to work really effectively.
2: Yeah.
1: That is why uh, you see a lot of coaches who are well-built they don't have great knowledge like they're selling jumping jacks burpees in the name of hiit and they're selling great whereas some coaches with imposter syndrome but they know a lot they're into like 4d space time diaphragm and pelvic floor but then they just can't communicate people don't come to them like there's a huge right. gap
0: yeah and and there's strengths to both groups yes, yes it's just up to you to actually look at it and say like what's of value here yeah. and what can i take from this group because a lot of times it's yeah like the like what you referenced in terms of almost like good looking morons you know what i mean <laughs> uh and but that can be very successful it's like you know this person is has a million followers has no clue what they're talking about but looks amazing. Yeah. Or they have, there's something that you can gain from that. And, Mm. and there's sometimes people are like, you know, to me, the, the, the probably the biggest predictor of how successful you're going to be from a, I don't know, like just, just if you're going to define success by probably financial outcomes or Mm. uh, being well known, Mm. the biggest predictor of that is probably going to be how good looking you are you know, mm. I, I bet you at the very least, it's in the top three things. It's almost like you probably need this conglomeration of, of variables that are going to ride together. And if you are missing one of those things, mm. you're probably not going to be able to reach like some specific echelon yeah. of success. Yeah, And, you know, so uh, there's probably like, uh, I don't know exactly the right word, but like, uh, persona that someone yeah. would have like an attractiveness to their you know the way that they talk the way that they carry themselves yeah their their energy that they present to the world hmm. you know that's probably a thing and if you if you're just good looking but you lack this yeah, it probably yeah. limits the the extent that you can get to and then there's also probably like the actual real value the intelligence, yeah the capabilities like that's probably another thing you know and if you don't have that it's probably to me it would probably be like your actual appearance like Mm -hmm. how good looking are you uh your energy charisma and then your actual knowledge skills and abilities yeah as if i like if i was to think like these are probably the three biggest buckets and if you have one but not the other two you get to level three
2: if mm. you have
0: two, mm. but not one, you get to level six. If you have all three, you get to level 99. <laughs> and it's very, very rare to see people yeah. who have all three, True, you know, and, but it's it, in some ways, the, the knowledge, skills and ability are, are so varied in terms of what you would need to be successful, that it's hard to actually know, like, you know is is it knowledge about biomechanics maybe Mm. is it knowledge about um how to create good-looking photographs maybe Mm. is it knowledge about what to wear maybe it's it could be a number of things but Mm. there it has to be at a level that differentiates you i Uh, think uh, you know mm. whatever shoot of knowledge skills and abilities that you have you have to be differentiated and uh, like a standard deviation above the mean.
2: Mm.
0: You know, if it's attractiveness, you have to probably be a standard deviation above the mean. There's like probably these threshold levels of all of these things that you have to reach and go beyond the threshold of Mm. in order to stand out in this area. Uh, Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: So to me, that's probably like the, if, if I was to like, Think about from a theoretical perspective what contributes to people actually being able to become breakthrough success is probably the conglomeration of those three things, with at least one, two, or three of them being at least a standard deviation hmm. above the mean that allows you to be differentiated um, to, to so that you escape from the noise of the, you know, kind of monstrosity of the masses that because most of the time, everything is the same. It's almost like you can immediately predict what people's social media is going to look like. You know, you can immediately predict what they're going to sound like, what they're, you know, it's almost like people are so predictable that when all of a sudden there's something that actually becomes different and you're like, what is this? What the hell is this? that now all of a sudden there is this breakthrough. Um, It's just that it's, there's, you know, there's probably so many different avenues that you can reach that through. Mm. That, you know, being limited is really the problem, I think, for people. Where they get in their mind, there's only this one way to make it. Mm. And I don't think that's ever the case. I think that there's probably just like these, you know, general sorts of curves with enough, you know, there's enough of a population where it's a normal curve. Hmm. And then you have to reach these, these actual critical levels of Hmm. being away from the middle of the curve Hmm. to Hmm. be able to be
1: different enough. So you're someone who talks about his flaws, like openly. So, how do you recognize your flaws and how do you like rectify or make it better like do you like while you are doing something like in the heat of the moment do you catch yourself like no i shouldn't have done it or like what am i doing yeah I, i mean i do yeah um
0: uh well you know for everything there's there's like this general stereotypical uh learning process that we all go through of unconscious incompetence Uh, to conscious incompetence to conscious competence. And, um, you know, I think that in order to be able to move from any of those points, you have to be open to listening to the feedback that you're getting from other people. Mm -hmm. Uh, People will tell you things if you pay attention to them, you know, and the more that you pay attention to other people, they'll, they'll probably become more and more willing to tell you things that are challenging things to hear about yourself. And from that point, if you're actually able and willing to listen to those things, now you have an opportunity to potentially climb that ladder of the learning uh, points. Mm -hmm. And um, if you are fairly diligent in your practice habits, you can like the hardest places to be are conscious incompetence right. and conscious competence. Like those places are difficult, you know, but if it's important to you and you work at those areas and you reach unconscious competence, I mean, now you're really, you know, you're going to put your life together in a way that's fantastic. And then, and, and, you know, you, you almost don't even know why you're doing so well.
1: you, are a coach you are a mentor you are like public speaking social media there's personal life to that as well so how do you manage that in the 24 hours you know
0: I I actually saw something of David Goggins talking about how much time we waste recently Mm -hmm. and just sort of like you know we spend we waste so much time on a daily basis on computers and phones Mm -hmm. devices and like if you actually went back through your day and you had like either yourself or someone else that was observing you wrote down what you were doing for every minute of the day, you'd probably discover like you wasted the majority of your day. Hmm. And like, you never get that back ever. And I, I I'm looking at myself and I'm like, it's funny because right now I'm not that busy, you know, like I'm really I'm really not like, I don't train people in person anymore. I haven't done that since October. Um, I'm in this weird transitional point career-wise right now. And it's like, there's things that I should be doing. There's like a couple projects that I should be working on, but I'm kind of not. Like I've been pretty lackluster and I've been sort of like, you know, probably wasting way too much time on phones and getting sucked into all the same kind of, you know, unimportant crap that Mm. the rest of the world kind of gets sucked into. Mm. And I I think that I'm sort of like at a point where I'm like, man, I have to make a decision. Do I want to look back at a life that I spent scrolling through Instagram (laughs) for, you know, uh, hours on hours a day and like, you know, texting uh, about meaningless crap or do I want to actually like, you know, do I want to participate in life? True. And, and I think I know the answer, but I'll tell you like the, the phones are, phones are terrible. <laughs> like they suck you in. And like, it's almost like you, you're, you're without it for a couple of hours. And you're like, Oh, I better check it. I better. It, I mean, it's as bad of a drug as anything that I've ever done. That's, that's, you know, able to be smoked or snorted or <laughs> injected, like it's, it's a, it's way a really, above what
1: you have done, way above what you have done.
0: <laughs> it really is. And it's a, it's a much less rewarding huh.
1: thing in a lot of ways uh. from a
0: neurochemistry standpoint, but it's so habitual and incredibly powerful hmm. that it's like, it's,
1: it's scary. Creates that fear it's of really missing out. Scary. fear of missing out feeling inside people so
0: yeah (laughs) and like missing out on what what (laughs) gossip (laughs) controversy yeah you know it's funny like do i really want to go to like some some like uh you know another tropical place like i know i don't like a lot of the things that like you get jealous of it's kind of like it's not even something i really like to do that much Uh. you know like it's almost like, what do I like to do? What actually gives me a sense of fulfillment in life? And like, I really like to train. I really like to write. I really like to be productive. I really like to have good conversations with other people. I like to read, but I'm not doing enough of that stuff, Uh. you know? And why am I not doing that? Well, because I'm like maybe jealous of other people that I'm like, I'm like, you know, like, I, I'm just as guilty of it as anybody else that's guilty of that stuff. Like, you know, like, um, yeah, that, that the jealousy elements and mm-hmm. the, the thought that like, oh, this person's doing so much better than me. And look, like, I just think that's a very common human thing. Mm-hmm. And you can continue to stay in like a victim mindset mm-hmm. around that. Or you can start doing stuff, you know, and it's it, it. A lot of it just comes down to action.
2: Yeah, you
0: know, like you can think about this stuff all day until you're blue in the face. It's not <laughs> going to get you anywhere. You have to actually start doing stuff. And the more stuff that you're doing in your own life,
2: yeah. that's
0: from the perspective of like fulfilling to you, a rich life, hmm. a rich balanced life with good friends. Fulfilling work, self-care, honesty, deep communication with other people that leads to connection, those are the things that are really important for human beings. And that doesn't need a fancy car Hmm. or a tropical getaway or, you know, the best clothes. It doesn't need any of those things. It's really all there at any point in time for anybody. It really is. It's just a question of whether or not you're doing it. Hmm. And, you know, I'm like I said, I'm just as guilty as anyone else of falling victim to the trap of wasting my time Hmm. thinking about comparing myself to others. And Mm. what they're allegedly doing. And how much more they're enjoying their life than I am. Mm. And I'm not busy doing my life. And enjoying (laughs) my life. And it's insane. It's like the
1: biggest psychosis going on the planet right now. Social media. Like a big catalyst in this. (laughs) Otherwise. 100%. Like uh, pre-social media, pre-internet. You probably wouldn't have known like how is your friend enjoying in San Francisco or something? Like you, you have no idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Letters or telephone only. Now, like, oh man, he's enjoying there. He's enjoying there. What am I doing? Like, yeah. Oh, ah, this guy.
0: <laughs> yeah, I bet he's not even really liking it. You know, it's yes. like the fox and the sour grapes. <laughs>
1: True. True bill says this pretty often in calls and that i'm 55 i'm 56 i don't have much time and like i use my time very in a very cautiously what to reply whom to reply what to do what not to do so things which actually matter i will take a step otherwise yeah (laughs) I, i think bill's got a lot more things figured out
0: that he's put into action than i do you know And I'm still at this place in my life where, you know, I, I, I'm working at things Hmm. and trying to go through some behavioral change that is more in line with what is actually
2: Hmm.
0: deep down important to me. And because like right now, I'm just like, I'm not in as much alignment with myself as i think someone like bill is
2: Hmm.
0: you know and and again this kind of there's all these traps you know what i mean you can go into that same thing but i think that what i'm experiencing right now in life through confusion and struggle Hmm. and all Hmm. these other things is valuable lessons you know like everything is a potential lesson yeah you know even even your inability to learn lessons is a lesson you know it really is so it's it's look like i don't know what the point of any of this is and you can come to the realization well there is no point you know there's there's no point you can make your own point or you can make multiple points or you can have no point no point. it's kind of up to you you know and it's just it's so it makes it limitless it really does and and then if in a limitless world, if you build some constraints in, it actually creates direction. Um, it's just the question is, well, what direction do you want to go in?
1: Are I, I, I you some, I someone who, like, if someone says that you cannot do it, you won't be able to do it, you won't be able to achieve it. Once you do, are you someone who's like, eh, I told you I did it, like all the footballers do when they score a goal, they boo the crowd. Or someone let go. I'm doing my work.
0: I've been both of those things, for sure. Like there's I mean I love sticking it to people sometimes. It's like, "Oh, you thought you were going to beat me at this thing? No, not going to happen. Never going to happen." Like and at the same time it's almost like, you know, I can remember uh when I finished my PhD, it was kind of like, "Okay. What what's next?" Mm. Like that's done. Um you know, I've, I've I, have there's, there's a few moments I can look back at that just felt very close to complete. And I can remember when I was told that I was hired for the job at Springfield College. I mean, my whole body was like, it felt like it was emitting of like vibrational energy of pure satisfaction. I've never felt anything like that. I, I remember every single part of it. I remember that I was driving, I was on my way to drive to work at Brooklyn College, mm-hmm. but I had stopped to get a couple of slices of pizza on the way. And <laughs> I literally had this, uh, like, I I had I, I was like trying to eat and drive with this dripping, greasy pizza at the same time. And I remember seeing the call come through and I knew the area code and I pulled over and I stopped and I took the call and I was so happy. But then I realized that I had this cold pizza after you know what i mean like but it was like it was a very it, it felt like i had achieved something that was like this really pinnacle kind of a thing um and that was a very rare sort of a feeling
2: mm.
0: you know um and and the interesting thing is is that life goes on yeah you know and and then it's the same thing when something so devastatingly bad happens Hmm. and it feels like the 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 mariana's trench of how low something Hmm. can feel and like this this point in time that just feels endless but then the interesting thing is that life goes on on. it just (laughs) goes on and and so it's it's kind of like you know i i feel like i've i've kind of had a lot of these sorts of Hmm. like extremes 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 and living in new york city is a roller coaster on a regular basis and and it's almost like you can to me now it's almost like dealing with the boredom of Mm. regular is the (laughs) hardest part that's the hardest part it really is and and it's it reminds me of training in a lot of ways of of Uh. resensitizing the body for adaptations Uh. and at a certain point you no longer can really have a, a. You don't notice something like no part of your body notices something anymore
2: hmm. because
0: it's gotten so used to being hmm. thrashed. Yeah, and you need to ultimately have periods where you just are kind of in maintenance and you allow things to resensitize. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: and and I feel like living in New York and with, you know, job changes and public speaking and projects and accomplishments and everything else. It just creates such a, an, a level of stimuli huh. that's so nonstop and high. And like, you, you know, at a certain point, it's almost like you need to get away from all of it huh. for quiet and for everything. Mm. But then that quiet can drive you crazy. <laughs> <laughs> True. Because everything settles, and now uh-huh. you actually notice everything.
1: Ah, yes, yes, yes. You're happy, this shall pass. You're sad, this shall pass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> everything shall pass.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, so it's it's yeah. Yes. I mean, look, like I think uh, eventually, I don't know, like there's, huh, like the world is going to test you. Mm if you, if you, I mean, look like for some people, some people never take chances in life. They kind of just stay, they stay at home and they never really try to accomplish anything. And, and I don't know the degrees of tests. I don't know what their degrees of tests are. Hmm. I know that for me, as I've gone more and more out in the world and tried to accomplish more and more, I feel like the tests that the world throws back at me becomes harder and harder and harder and harder and harder. And it will literally there's got to be a reason for this. You know hmm. what I mean? And I think most reasons come in, in, it's almost like the old statement in the light of evolution, everything makes sense. Uh. So in terms of the changes that take place in humans, hmm. like the evo- the primary evolution is cultural evolution that's happening for us. And cultural evolutions are shared behaviors, shared beliefs, shared language, shared food, shared style. You know, and so you're like uh, evolution's going to test every single one of these things, and it's going to vet these things, and it's going to challenge by making you uncomfortable. Nothing changes unless there's discomfort associated with uh. it. And and I think that ultimately, like if you get down to human essence, it's probably built more around discomfort than any other thing. Like life needs to make you uncomfortable. So that it forces you to try to solve for that discomfort. Hmm. And one of the primary ways that life challenges you is that it presents you with desires. Hmm. You know, here, here's something that you want. And it's kind of like, oh, you try to go get it. And guess what? It's never as good as you think it was going to be. Uh Okay. And then the discomfort, you know, then another desire pushes itself at you and over and over, over and, and over, over and over again and and then if you can just ultimately come to the realization that everything that you desire you'll never actually quench that thirst yes. ever yes <laughs> it's impossible because Money, it'll power only, fame <laughs> it'll only come back at you again it just it just presents itself over and over and over And it escalates and it becomes Mm. more of a, a, so like you have to get to this realization probably that there is something behind the scenes that's trying to figure out, you know, the direction of human nature,
2: Mm. you know, Mm. and
0: to me, it's whatever the processes of life are and evolution and that we're like puppets, it's (laughs) taking advantage of us, you know what I mean? I'm a fool for chasing my desires
2: hmm. because
0: I'm literally just participating in this process. That's bigger than me. That's behind the scenes of me that's utilizing humans hmm. because we have more advanced brains hmm. to literally test behaviors hmm. to see which ones are long-term sustainable from an evolutionary perspective.
2: Hmm.
0: And you know what I need to do do as a person to escape from this mechanism is probably come to grips with the fact that I'm always going to be uncomfortable my whole life. And that if I can learn to actually recognize my discomfort and actually experience it, that's probably the solution to everything. And that more chasing Mm -hmm. and more of all this you know, FOMO and mm, comparison mm. is only going to escalate this presentation of your desires at you mm. until you learn this lesson. And that lesson can be incredibly, incredibly painful. True. <laughs> Very true.
1: Pat, you have a son named Dylan, who is... Yeah, Dylan. Dylan, Dylan, okay. Who is almost two years old? That's correct, yeah. So what did fatherhood teach you in life and how do you see life as, as a father? Because, because been, as you said, you, you have missed, I mean a lot, like your father was not there for you. So you have missed yeah. a lot out on that domain. So.
0: Yeah. It's been difficult because, you know, the relationship I've, I've had with, um, with his mother has been very challenged during this time. You know, it's like, we, we haven't, we haven't been together in, in a, in a while. And, um, and so I'm not, I don't, you know, we, we live in different places and I don't, I don't get to, I don't get to wake up there. I don't get to, you know, I see him, you know, four or five times a week. Hmm. Um, But in, in a lot of ways, it's like uh, it's almost, I, I'm, it's painful for me because, in some ways, I feel like I understand my own father a little bit more, in terms of him not being there, mm. in a way that's like complete or something. And it's it's just very challenging. Um, so it's not it's not the situation that I envisioned in terms of being a father. It's not it's not the normal nuclear family right now. It's it's none of those things, um, and it's it's difficult because you know, even for myself, I, you know, the things that occupy the real estate in my mind, you know, to me right now, he's not taking up as much space as he should. Mm. You know, there's, there's other things that, that I'm focused on that remove me from being as focused on him as I should be. And, and I want to make sure that that's something that I continue to not have stay that way. Hmm. You know, I'm, I'm very grateful that, you know, his mother is an incredible woman who has been able to be his primary caregiver during this time. And, and he's developing in a really beautiful manner and it's incredible to see him emerge as a person in a very loving and, and supportive home that he, he lives in on a daily basis. Um, and, and I don't know what the future holds in terms of, of anything, hmm. um, but it's, uh, it's not what I would have envisioned. And, and I just, you know, it's, it's, it's an area of struggle that I, I think is very personally painful for me as well, based on my own history. Hmm. Um, but I, you know, I don't really know what being in a nuclear family is. Uh, the actuality of trying to do it is frightening to me. Um, There's, there's a lot of areas that are, I don't know, just more challenging or more confusing for me than I would have thought.
1: Hmm. Parenthood is hard. It's hard. It
0: definitely is. Yeah.
1: And I mean, I really,
0: yeah, it's, it's just, I, I, I don't have, I definitely don't have the kind of answer that people probably want to hear of Mm. like, Oh, you know, like I had a child come into my life and it completely transformed me and I didn't realize the level of love that I could feel for another being. until. That's what you get. (laughs) That's usually what people say. And, and to me, it's like, you know, my situation is, is probably one where it's like, it's, it's not, easy mm. it's you know i'm, I'm not there uh, in the way that a nuclear parent would be i'm not i'm not a father living in the same household right now i'm not um i'm not there seeing him first thing in the morning i, I miss a lot of things and i have uh i i don't i don't know what the structure of my involvement in his life will be going into the future. I I just don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's a bit messy. And I know that I'm also not the only person that is experiencing something like that. And Mm. so I, like I said in the beginning, I'm, I'm not, I'm not here and I never am trying to talk to people in a way that misrepresents reality. Mm. You know, it's, it's not fair to other people to
1: misrepresent reality. Love the honesty. It is what it is. I mean, reality yeah. is reality.
2: Yeah.
1: So, Pat, now it's the time for the rapid fire round. And sure. Or the fractal fire. One skill that you wish to improve in personal life as well as professional life. Um. Being
0: present more, you know, in- not, not being, not letting my mind pull me away from the present and having it ruminate on the past
1: or yeah. worry about the future. In both spheres of life. Yeah. yeah. Ah, cool. One book, one movie, one person, the most influential in your life. Wow.
0: Um. um Wow. I don't know. This is, this is such a hard question. I would say currently uh, I think my therapist is probably the most influential person in my life. <laughs> if I'm going to go with right now, hmm. um, a book that's the most influential. God. Uh, that's, that's almost an impossible question. There's just so many Potential topics and and areas that you could get into. Um right now, Mm -hmm. I would say there's a book called The Gene Keys by Richard Rudd Mm -hmm. that has been incredibly impactful to me from a thought process standpoint. This is I'm gonna this is an acute answer. yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. And a movie that's been impactful to me. Um I'll make this one
0: less acute, and, and I'll, I'll go with Pulp Fiction, pulp oddly fiction. enough.
2: Cool, cool. And
0: I say that because of, you know, I, I just remember seeing that movie when it came out, which I think was like 1994. Oh, 1990, I remember yeah, going, yeah. going to the movies to see that with, with, um, with my aunt and my cousin, and it had such a style to it. I had never encountered anything with its own unique style as much as that movie. And it just fascinated me so much that someone could have that much of their own unique presentation in a, in a piece of art like that. Mm. And I love when things are just so completely themselves.
2: Mm.
1: One incident that changed your entire lens of looking at life. Huh. Um, I think,
0: I think it's probably the, uh, the difficult parts of relationships with significant others in your life. You know, like I'd say, uh, you know, I, I won't get into the specifics, but like when I've, when I was hurt by someone else in a relationship to the greatest degree that I've ever been hurt, hmm. I think that that, that was a significant change for me um in in large part because um it's just about learning how to come to grips with reality to a much greater degree you know Mm. and to accept that someone that you can love to a degree that you didn't think was possible can be the same person that hurts you to a degree that you didn't think was possible and then continuing to live after that they shall pass
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) your biggest fear I think my biggest
0: fear is to um probably be the kind of father to my son that my father was to me Hmm.
1: your most prized possession wow (laughs) um (laughs) funny you start looking
0: around your your uh you know what's around you and you hear something like that and um you can't possess other people Mm. so that's not that's not an answer you know it's got to be kind of an object
1: materialistic
0: yeah it's got to be an object i would say probably the the car that i drive Mm. you know if i don't have that thing I'm, I'm screwed,
2: <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I,
0: I can't get to, I can't get to things that are very important to me in an efficient manner, mm. um, which sometimes is work and sometimes is, is, you know, family.
1: Mm. Your definition of success and happiness.
2: I think that it's, you
0: know, I've been able to make some money. I've been able to have some, some level of being known by other people, um, those things don't make you happy, for sure.
2: Hmm. They
0: don't make you happy. They don't make me happy, hmm. okay? Um, the things that make me happy are when, like I can think of very specific events and like when you're around other people, Hmm. that are supportive and caring and you're just having a good time having food as a group having having those like being in a community of other adults that are doing the best they can in their lives Uh and you're just there enjoying yourself for no other reason um if you can have that as an element of your life yeah if you can have something that you feel like you're working on that's important
2: mm.
0: to you and to other people um and i think that like if you are also at the same time continuing to develop yourself mm. in a manner that demonstrates personal growth um i think that those three things have to be present in your life hmm. for you to feel happy and successful.
1: You know, I remember... but I don't think,
0: I don't think happiness is, is the, I don't think happiness is the end goal. Uh-huh. That
1: it's, a for. it's a constant state. It's like a constant state kind of a thing. I would say not yeah. a destination.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's very dependent. It's to me, it's happiness is kind of a mood and uh-huh. moods are kind of like the weather. And <laughs> There's, there's not a whole lot you can do about the weather. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. (laughs) And,
0: and, and also like the, like, you know, if you have a, if you have a really bad sunburn and it's really, really sunny and hot out, like that's not the best case situation for that day. Yeah. You might want it to be. So there's so many things that can, that can impact that. But I would, I would say like, um, some level of fulfillment Hmm. is probably, is probably the thing. Um, that overrides your, your, your moods.
1: Describe life in one word. Flux. Hmm. That's a very different answer that I've got. How would you describe love as? Oof. It's an attitude. Hmm. Hmm.
2: And it's, it's, the
1: opposite of fear I think. is trust. Hmm. The most important thing in a relationship? Um, I, I
0: think intimacy, which is, you know, I think that's built around trust and it's about, it's built around honesty hmm. and it's built around continuous depth and you know, it's, it's again, it's something that it, 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 presence as well, hmm. being very present, like how present can you be with a person ah. at any moment, and make any moment potentially something that you can really hmm. find each other in.
1: In this age of social media, and uh, what to say, the attention span of people is so low, I think attention being present is the greatest gift that you can give to a person in today's day and age, I would say in the age of distractions. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Uh, So the rapid fire is over. And before I let you go, there are two final questions for you. The first one is as an industry senior, what would you advise to someone like me? I think
0: that you have to identify your goals Hmm. and identifying goals is only something that you can do during quiet reflective periods Um, and when you identify your goals you have to then create to-do lists that move you towards those goals and to not do lists that detract you from those goals and the to-do lists both of those lists need to be uh, as close to objective as possible in terms of building things in that are measurable and Mm. time bound Mm. so that you, um, you know, have some standards that you appraise things by to determine whether or not you're actually creating the behaviors that are moving you towards the goals
2: Mm. and
0: er erasing the behaviors that are pulling you away from the goals. Um, and because a lot of times, like, I, I don't know if you're, familiar with the research with children with the marshmallows like they uh they they used to take kids and they'd they'd kind of bring them into a room and then say hey you can have one marshmallow now Hmm. but if you wait five minutes Hmm. you can have two marshmallows and the researchers would leave the room and they'd leave the single marshmallow on the table in front of the kids and you'd see these kids like you know kind of like squirming and like and And so some of the kids ate the single marshmallow and the other kids waited five minutes and got the two marshmallows. And then they looked at like over longer periods of time, what happened to the children that took the single marshmallow versus the children that waited for the two marshmallows. And it was incredibly predictive of who was going to be Hmm. successful in life. Uh. Um, And so it's the ability to delay your gratification. And also to have an idea about what the bigger goals are in the future Uh and to avoid some of the lower tier rewards Hmm. that actually strip you from being able to move towards the bigger goals. So I always say that, like this act of goal setting, Hmm. is ultimately you identifying what the two marshmallows are. Uh And the Act of creating your to not do list is your act of identifying the single marshmallows,
2: hmm. uh,
0: so that you know. To me, it's almost like life is this big constant challenge of two marshmallows versus one marshmallow. Yeah. It's just that it becomes more complex over time, but it's the same basic rules and, and it's the same basic game. Um,
1: and those things are with the investor mindset.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's just really hard over time because that which appears to be two marshmallows versus that which is one marshmallow, Like, if you haven't thought about this and really written it out in, in a quiet, reflective, deliberate manner, you're going to have no idea what's a two marshmallow thing and what's a mm-hmm. one marshmallow thing. And from there, now, if you're, if you're someone that's disciplined you can learn to avoid hmm. the detractors from the ultimate bigger picture of where you need to invest your time.
1: Hmm. And the last question would be like in a, in bullet points, what have been your major life learnings till date and how do you intend to move on from here?
2: Huh? <laughs> um, So it's almost like a negativity sort of a
0: thing. You almost learn what's a problem. (laughs) And then, and then you kind of, you know, you can almost identify. So for me, like, uh, I don't have the ability to regulate any kind of mind altering substance in my body. As soon as that enters, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, it's a, it's a, I can't do that. It's a, it, it destroys me as a person. Um I have to be very careful with the relationships that I have in my life because I can make other people almost like uh mind altering substances for me. You know, I I because I in some ways lack in my own self-worth,
2: mm. I can
0: gain worth by the way that other people can make me feel. Oh. So I have to separate myself from the feelings that other people can give me Mm -hmm. and try to evaluate other people more on their character over time. Uh, And that's a very difficult process to go through, because there's been relationships in my life with both men and women that have led me into really problematic places. Um, So I have to be more deliberate Hmm. from the perspective of evaluating other people and being patient about trying to uh, discover who other people are, Hmm. because I can be very, very compulsive and impulsive from the perspective of wanting to get involved with fun and exciting people and fun and exciting doesn't necessarily lead to two marshmallow kinds of outcomes. (laughs) Um, So, you know, and then from there, it's kind of like discovering the things that like, it's almost like, uh, you know, every, everything kind of has a scale to it of like the positives and the negatives. Um, And you have to figure out whether or not the positives outweigh the negatives. And so you have to, like like kind of patience for me is is something that i does not come easily to me but being patient and trying to make those determinations of whether or not the negatives are greater than the positives with any kind of an endeavor is is something that that is a very important thing for me to to work my way through mm. mentally before
1: I get involved with something. Awesome chat, man. I mean, learned a lot. And of course I had this image of yours and today I got to know you in person, which is absolutely fantastic. As I said, before we recorded the call, uh, you seemed like someone who's like a coconut. (laughs) So like if someone is scrolling through your feed and it's like, oh, this guy is like, like very rough and tough from the out and inside yeah like you are a normal human guy a sweet guy so it's just like a coconut it, I, you remind me of uh, one of the people I look for uh, look up to uh, he's a soccer player Zlatan Ibrahimovic kind of the same like the world mm. sees, sees him as really tough and hardcore and but Inside, he's also like a regular guy, like everyone else. And he has his own struggles. He has his own like uh, achievements and everything. So yeah, it was pretty much like that, those vibes. Huh. <laughs> well, I, I really appreciate
0: the way that you did the interview here today. You know, it was um, very thoughtful questions. Um, you're a very good listener. And it's, it's just, it, you made it a pleasure for me to be able to uh, discuss some of these topics which are not ones that oftentimes get brought up because yes. you know, it can become very uh, biomechanics centric <laughs> or whatever. And and I think that at a certain point that if people want to learn biomechanics, they are going to need to do things like read a book mm. and take time. And like an interview that's an hour, an hour and a half or however long we, we talked is not enough time.
1: No. <laughs> Podcast is not the place. <laughs>
0: no it's just not it's 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 a place to be able to talk about more of the things that we talked about here today
1: yes yes oh so this is the goal of my podcast when i came up with this idea like okay i'll have this podcast but too many biomechanics stuff out there how can i be different zach couples uh gave me this uh piece of advice like either be best or be different when you're Mm. beginning mm, chances are slim that you will be the best but you can be different when you're starting out. Right. You can be very different. So like, yeah, this is the thing <laughs> to do, like getting to know the human side of the names in the fitness industry. So yeah. that has been the goal. <laughs> I mean, a pleasure well, talking to you, man. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. I mean, I, mean I, have, I, I can kind of see myself in you, not those huge struggles, but I've had my fair share of massively inferiority complex Because I come from a very small, uh, you could say, village and town, like between those in India, in Northeast India. Indian village and USA village are pretty different, by the way. So (laughs) I come from a very small place, like people in New York and uh, Las Vegas, and they can't even imagine how small that is. And from there, like full of inferiority complex, when I came to the big cities in India, to someone today, like, I'll just ask Pat, will he come to my podcast? He said, yes. Cool. So if I ask someone, he doesn't want to come, great. I'm not entitled to anything. I don't deserve anything. And it, it doesn't make that person like this supreme. I don't care. If you don't come, fine. It's fine. Like my <laughs> life goes on. Your life goes on. If you come, amazing. I get to know a new human. So it's right from that inferiority complex to today, like, Justin Moore, Pat Davidson, Zach Couples, like Bill Hartman, like yeah, human level, everyone is same. Yeah, intellectually and knowledge wise, you guys are greater, but human wise, all the same. So, <laughs> all humans, all like you yeah. say, uh, that uh, degrading carbon, like degrading piece of carbon, everyone's the same. So we all started the same way, we are gonna end the same way.
0: <laughs> that's man, that's beautiful. Thank you for letting me know that about yourself too.
1: Thanks, man. Like, I, I, And you know, Rua, Rua Gilla, he's a great friend of yeah. mine now. So we sh- kind of share the same mentality. Like human wise, no one is superior. Craft wise, yeah. probably. But then you have to uh, be a good human first. If you're someone right. who, uh, so, who talks in a condescending tone, who looks someone else's inferior, no matter how great your popularity or uh, net worth is, stay away.
0: <laughs> Serious. Yeah, it's, it's very true. And even for that person, all of that attitude is going to be their undoing as well.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You so uh, so it, it's, it's people, people, when do people do it? When they know that, oh, I have a lot of time in hand. When people near their end, everyone changes everyone like oh no i have done so much wrong to everyone else like oh my god will i ever be forgiven Mm -hmm. old age the inability to control yourself physically even mentally emotionally towards the end that changes everyone they like i've seen people regret like with tears crying howling because of the deeds they have done to others i've seen this old people and I've heard stories as well. Like, like in till 40s, 50s, no one cares, man. Like, I am the boss and I will do this and that. And then when the retirement age hits.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because then you have nothing but time to think about everything. <laughs>
1: <laughs> What's your plan for the day, man?
0: I have... Uh, I'm teaching the power hour at a gym that's in Midtown Manhattan. Hmm. And that'll be... Uh, let's see, in about an hour and a half now, Hmm. Um, going over for that. Um, And then, you know, after that, I've got Zoom calls this evening. Um, I do mentorship thing. Uh, that's two hours tonight. hmm. So today is the day of a lot of like my media stuff. You know, I do Uh, interviews on Wednesday mornings and then I have the power hour and then I have the mentorship stuff. So it's a lot of screen time today for me.
1: <laughs> you also have that uh, resensitizing days where you're like all shut. Off.
0: Yeah, this one's a bit crazy sometimes. Thankfully today, I don't have to drive anywhere. Like, uh, you know, I live on 48th Street and I believe that the place that I'm teaching today is on 32nd Street. So, you know, I might just ride a bike over there. It's a beautiful day here. Uh, Oftentimes, though, I have to scramble and drive somewhere for 45 minutes, an hour drive back. It can get kind of a little bit difficult to manage the time, but it's, um, you know, it's it's almost like I usually teach in front of a new audience every Wednesday, too. Huh? So it's all these people I don't know mm. that have new questions and things mm. like that, which I like because mm. it keeps me on my toes and it's yeah. different. Um so it's and, and the podcasts are usually with different people in the mornings as well. So it's kind of like I get a chance to interact with new people on Wednesdays and have oftentimes very interesting discussions or questions that I wouldn't have ever sort of thought of on my own with mm-hmm. the standard kind of people that I normally interact with on a daily basis. So <laughs> Wednesdays are, are an interesting day for me, I would say.
1: <laughs> yeah. Awesome, Matt. I wish you a very, I mean, prosperous career ahead, whatever your endeavors are, whatever your goals are. May you reach those. Have a great day, great chatting with you. And yeah, we wish you. to catch up with you soon, someday. <laughs> it That'd was be nice great. talking yeah.
0: to you, man. <laughs> Like, I, I can completely agree with that. Thank you so much. Thank you, so, man. Thank you.
1: All right. We'll talk soon. Bye. I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as Pat and I did. Feel free to reach out to both of us. Our Instagram IDs are shared in the episode description. Have a great day and see you later.